Happy holiday. Happy holiday. While the merry bells keep ringing. Welcome to the Future Hero Podcast. My name is Baxter. Thank you for pressing play and happy holidays. If you're celebrating a holiday this week, then good tidings to you. And I hope that your holiday is filled with magic and wonder and all the delicious things that come from love and being with family and and goodness. But not everybody digs the holidays. For some of us, the holidays can kind of bring up, uh, I don't know, a sadness or at least a gloominess or something that I kind of call the dark mood. (laughs) And we know that we're caught up in the mood, but the reality of being there just makes us feel kind of like we're in a funk. So this podcast is for you, my friend, to push through that funk, to push through that dark mood, and to make the most of your holiday this year. Music today is provided by Spoken Bird. Spoken Bird, he is on SoundCloud. I heard some of his stuff and reached out to him to see if he would be willing to uh, let me use it. And he said uh, yes, and I appreciate that, brother. Thank you. I'll be honest with you, I've been wanting to do this podcast, but I've also been struggling with this episode on exactly how to talk to people that maybe like me, that get a little down, get in that dark mood that I was discussing, and maybe don't want to be there, that they feel like they're a sort of drag. And I've done a few recordings of this podcast, this episode, and I just haven't been happy with any of them, and I think that I decided to mix the music up and put this more upbeat, fun stuff behind me so that we can kind of look at this dark mood in an upbeat way and rather than accept that it just is, uh, to treat it more like it's the weather, like so that maybe it's not the ideal weather, but that we can dress warm enough or rainproof enough or whatever enough so that we can still have a delightful or positive experience in the holidays no matter what our mood is in. If it's not obvious, this topic probably wouldn't come to me if I was one of those people who easily fell into the holiday spirit. But unfortunately, I don't always. Sometimes it feels like Christmas hits and sort of hits two sides of me every year. It either hits the cheery holiday Baxter or the not-so-cheery what am I doing with my life Baxter. This year happens to be a good year for me, but I remember not too long ago how this time of year would just 
bring about the dark mood. And a lot of times the dark mood wouldn't even really happen until I started engaging in the activities in our family. It's Christmas and the activities of Christmas and buying gifts and preparing and driving and doing the things that many times it's in that process when I should be getting excited that I'm actually becoming disheartened. And so, like any overthinker, seeker, analyzer, I've tried to look at what is happening to me that might put me in that dark mood. And maybe if I can identify some of those things, then I can work with this dark mood. Kind of like when you, once you figure out that you're ADD, you start doing things to, you know, protect yourself from your ADD. So that's what I'm thinking about with this podcast. And I invite you now to not only listen to what I'm sharing about, like my reasons for the dark mood, but to consider your own reasons. Rather than thinking of it as blame on someone, you know, because she'll be there or because he'll be there as part of your dark mood and like referring to a gathering or something. Instead, source it deeper than that. Well, what is it about them being there? that is going to trigger in me? What's my reaction to it? One of the things about the traps that we fall into in our thinking and our behavior is that when we're made aware of the trap, when we're made aware of a condition, we can avoid it or work within it in a way that is not so destructive. Right? That's nice. But for sure, as you look through your sources for your dark mood, the the factors that led to this weather system of clouds and gray, I don't think it's a good idea, and I definitely wouldn't ask you to seek blame from yourself. I think self-blaming is kind of one of the things that makes the dark mood stick around longer. It's kind of like when depressed people become depressed because they're depressed. They can't get out of their depression, and that depresses them further. So I don't think there's any reason to beat yourself up on the mood, but just to, like I said before, accept it like it's the weather that just rolled in. But to not let that keep you in the house. If you have family, and in this case, tribe equals family. If you have family, if you have tribe, I encourage you to get out of the house and go be with them. You know, take off the cynicism and, you know, trust that this idea of marking a time we call a holiday so that we can let down our guard a little bit and hang out with each other is good for us. It's good for society. It's good for our progress. So as you identify these sources, you're not a criminal investigator. You're not looking for someone to blame. You're just identifying them so you don't step into them. For instance, one of the creators of the dark mood can be grief. If you've lost a loved one, you know, even if it wasn't at the holiday time, if you've lost a loved one, 
the holidays and the sentimentality of them can kind of remind you of that person and cause your heart to hurt. And this is a cause for a dark mood that's perhaps a little bit heavier to lift. But we can take these opportunities when we feel that grief to honor that person that we're grieving. And as much as the grief hurts, it's an indication of how much love we have for them and and I believe how much they have for us. And so you can work maybe ceremony or, or ritual into your grieving at the holiday season. You know, you can sit down, no one's around, and imagine that person and talk to them. And use this as a chance to have a holiday visit with the person that you're grieving. And that way you make some good out of the grief. And related perhaps to that, another cause of the dark mood sometimes can be the sense of loneliness that comes on at the holidays. Where we see our family and friends, our tribe and their loved ones and their new relationships and their old relationships. And if we're single, it can make us feel a type of loneliness. Or even if we're in a relationship and we're hanging out with our partner's family, it can make us feel lonely for our family. Lonely for connection to something that will connect to deep inside of us. And kind of like grief, this can be a tough one to lift and move on from. But if you think about it, you're always moving away from loneliness. In a way, like, loneliness is can be for many people kind of like the lion that slowly walks day after day after his prey. Hoping to one day wear you down and one fateful morning you'll wake up and there it'll be, the lion in front of you. I think that if you're feeling lonely, that a good way to deal with that lion is to seek company. And this is one more reason to push past your dark mood. To seek out company. And it may not be the company that you're lonely for, but it's still human connection. And you never really know where the next deep connection lies. If you're lonely from singleness, just think of it this way. You're one step closer to that person. You're one year closer to that person. If you've tried to meet people and nothing's taken, you've tried, and you're that much closer for having tried. Loving this music. This is Spoken Bird. Spoken Bird. And then one source that may be very particular to me, but I think uh, might reach other people as well, is through nobody's fault, 
Not my parents, not my siblings, not my extended family, not the friends, not the husbands and wives and partners of that family. But for some reason, when I go into these family gatherings sometimes, I start comparing myself to everyone around me. And as an artist, I live a pretty shaky life. (laughs) And I look around and I see my my brother and my sister and they seem to have sturdier lives than me they seem to have more of a stronger foundation and indeed they they might and i can easily start to see myself as um, you know the holder of third place in a race of three people and these feelings of inadequacy, of, of not living up to something, can create a perspective for me. They can, they can, they can color the tint of my windshield. Like if you imagine I, we see out of our eyes if, as if it was a windshield, that they can color that. And so I can go into these Christmas or holiday gatherings and really want in my heart to be in a good place, but my dark mood's a little bit there, and then it's fed by me comparing. And then from that colored lens, that windshield tinted with this idea that I don't compare, everything for the next three or four hours of that gathering kind of gets filtered through that lens so that I only really see those things. So when when one sibling receives a, a bigger or a more thoughtful gift than I received, I'm immediately triggered. And this is an example of when we kind of set ourselves up to remain in that bad mood. And this is when optimism can kind of really help or to witness yourself and to witness you comparing yourself and then realize that without that comparison you'd be having a great time I mean the truth is is that most likely no one's comparing except you and even if they are if you've been walking towards your future yourself then what do you have to feel sorry for if you're living in your truth if you feel like you move authentically as much as possible then what does the comparison matter who cares who cares maybe you're not supposed to be on solid sturdy footing maybe you're more of the uh, rope bridge type That's just one way to uninstall that hang-up. And then there's one more sort of source of the dark mood for me, and there are many, I just picked a few. We only have a half hour. And at first, what I'm about to say is probably going to sound like really small, tedious, and trivial. And maybe it is a little bit. But I think it's an example of how something small can become kind of cancerous. And in a way, it can kind of become a sort of divider or a separator from you and the experience. I have all of this anxiety around giving and receiving gifts. 
I kind of like the giving part if I'm giving to someone that I really know and I and I like the gift that I'm giving them. I, I kind of like that. But when I'm buying for my family, God love them. I love my family, but I don't really talk to them ever. <laughs> I don't hang out with them ever. I have no sense of their style. There's their home, their homes. Some of them I haven't been to before. And so the idea of walking into some store and trying to pick out something, I just stink at it. I always pick out something that maybe I would want or I pick out something that isn't, that I think would be perfect for that person, but it's actually perfect for the, my projection of that person. And it isn't actually for them. And then I hate that look that you see on someone's face when you've obviously just given them a dud of a present. That look, that, oh, oh my God. It drives me crazy. And I have railed and railed against the social contract of Christmas gift giving in my family. I have pleaded for us to just lose this tradition, but to no avail. So kind of like the dark mood, I have to sort of realize that this is a small issue that is triggering like some sort of fear of rejection in me or something like that. Kind of small and crazy, right? But the reason I bring it up and the reason that I think it's worth mentioning and that maybe there's a parallel, not maybe not the exact same thing, but something in you, is that I get so worked up about something small like giving and receiving gifts and hoping that my parents don't give me a sweater vest and hoping that my cousin likes the clock I just got them. I can get so caught up in that that it becomes an issue. And it becomes a thing. And I let that thing get bigger and bigger and bigger and suddenly it's like I'm a lawyer making a case for why we should not go. Or why we should not attend. Because I don't want to have to deal with the gift giving. And yet the danger, the consequence of that is that I'm really taking away something that's so important, my presence to my tribe and to my family, because I have a problem with a fear of rejection deep down that they're not going to like the sweater I got them. It's silly. But like all of these little things, once you bring them out into the light and you see how really small they are, it helps you move past them. And in that last point, I think that that's sort of the crux of the second half of this podcast. Is that the idea is that your mood is a weather system and life goes on underneath that weather system. And and in spite of your mood, there are people close to you that like the holidays or this particular year, it caught them in a good place and they're in a nice place and they want you to come and they want you to participate. You know, I was talking about triggers for the bad mood. Sometimes one of the triggers for the bad mood is actually just going and having to pretend you're not in that bad mood. But I don't think you need to pretend you're not in the mood. I just think you don't need to make yourself, you know, afraid of the mood 
or you know too tender, too gentle with the mood. I say put a coat on and go. Your family needs you to be there. Your friends want you to be there. And you can't predict the future. You have no idea. And this could be the year that you have a good time. You may have had 18 bad years in a row, but this could be the year. You don't know. You don't know. And what if the reason you had had those 18 bad years was because uh, you were in a different form? You were in an older version of you that just created this chemical chaos with your friends and family every year. What if the new, like, more authentic, the, the you that's closer to your future hero, what if they bring a different chemical to the equation? They bring a different element, create a different reaction. You don't know, and that's why you should try. I want a little kick-ass because I want us to like acknowledge that we're down about the holidays or can be down when no one else is down we can be it's still okay you're still a future hero but we got to do something with it and that's really where the warrior comes in that's really where the hero comes in because I talk a lot about this in my workshops but the definition of warrior is changing it's evolving we're not carrying around you know spears and shields anymore but the warrior represented a lot more than just uh, someone who was fighting. It represented uh, probably even more than that. It represented uh, the resilient nature. And so I challenge you, the warrior inside of you, to push through this dark mood and to go to your gatherings, to attend your gatherings. And if you don't have any that you've been invited to, then to seek them out and to not just lay in your blanket underneath this dark mood, but to take it with you on the road and go do the thing. Go to the gathering. Drive to the house, walk up to the door, the restaurant, the gathering hall, wherever you're going to be. And just do me a favor. This really helped me once. Right before you go in, Become the most peaceful person in the world. I know it sounds cheesy, but take a big breath in and say that, you know what, I am going to be, I'm at least in the character of, like a role I'm playing as an actor, but I'm going to be the most peaceful person in the world. And I'm going to walk into this gathering. And through that peace, I'm going to learn about the people there. And then I'm going to, because of their relation to me, I'm going to be learning about me. And then go in. Walk in. Walk straight to the most awkward part of the party or the gathering where all the people are. And be there and stand there and communicate there until you start to get used to the temperature of that water. I watch too many of us when we're in the dark mood sort of orbit the party. We sort of... We, out, we move to the outside of the party and that non-engagement is sort of letting the mood win so nobody's asking you to fake the mood you just move on without it you just move on through it like shitty weather oh. 
Once you're in that gathering, and let's let's just say, for instance, just to keep things a little simple, let's just say, for instance, that this is a gathering of your family, and that you have family relations there that go back from the time that you were born, and maybe that's part of the reason that you're feeling this dark mood. It's because of certain histories with those people. I know for me sometimes, you know, I had kind of a wild youth, and sometimes when I, when I go back to my family, I, I really feel like that on my parents or my, my friend or my family are kind of still seeing me as the, my sort of raging 17-year-old lying self, and that they don't see like the man that I've become since then. Of course, I'm completely projecting. But, you know, some of the comments, sometimes you get the sense that your family just is still seeing you in Little League. And not sort of the big leagues of life. And I think one thing that really helped me, and this is kind of a crude... I don't know if this is really the most poetic analogy, but... One way that's really helped me is that, you know, if we think about our perspective... And we think about our perspective as a lens and then if we think about that lens as glass and then if we think about that glass as a windshield the thing is is that we that person that is seeing us we've kind of hurled things onto their windshield (laughs) we have smushed our actions have smushed like bugs against their the windshield And when they are looking out from their brains through this windshield at us, they're seeing like the smushed bugs of consequences of ours. And part of seeking an enlightenment is trying to keep that windshield as clean as you can, as free of anything that would distract you from seeing clearly what is in front of you. And I think that we can try our best to nurture a type of compassion for the fact that their windshield, maybe maybe because of their non-work on themselves, maybe because of their own actions, or maybe just because they forgot to clean it, that their windshield as they look at us is dirty. And the best thing that we can do is to present the clearest image of ourselves through the dirtiness of their windshield. And by cleanest, I mean the most authentic. That the best we can do is to let them see the 16-year-old memory projection, but be the 2016 version of yourself. To be that authentic self and to not even engage in how they, the perception of how they may be seeing you at what age or where they're regressing you, but instead to be in your truth and to be your authentic self and to, as you have awkward 
conversations with people at first or even comfortable conversations with people that you're not telling them what you what you think they want to hear but you're telling them who you are that you're dropping the needle on that record and just letting the music play and my belief is that that being in authenticity is a magnet that when an authentic person is in their authenticity and sharing themselves authentically, that it is a magnet that pulls at the authentic center of whoever they interact. Like authentic people attract other authentic people to them and people that are going through spells of being inauthentic are usually pulled to their own authenticity or the desire to be in their authenticity when you are authentic. And that's how you present the clearest image of yourself beyond that dirty windshield that your parents or loved ones may still be seeing through. And if that connection is made, if they begin to connect to your authentic self, particularly if they are connecting to your authentic self through their authentic self, then they're more likely willing to clean that windshield to finally let go of some action of yours, some consequence of yours, and clear that window and see you more clearly. And that's a good thing. And that's that's of a better future. But let's keep it real. Your family's not the only one with the windshield. You have one too. And I think in fairness to your family, especially if you're in the dark mood already, that you should realize that your windshield might be dirty as well, that you might have uh, the sort of remains of consequences of actions smeared across your windshield as you try to look at this person. And I think in an interest of uh, altruism, we can try to see others as we wish to be seen. And so that we become less triggered because we're not looking for them to do something like they did before that left the smush on our windshield to let go sometimes is to accept and to accept is to move on So for this last little part, I'm going to try to wrap this up kind of quick. But there's one little thing that I have learned through my job. My job is I go around and I teach people, um, as crazy as it sounds, I teach people how to dance and connect with themselves. And the tool we use is a hula hoop, basically, although it's a modified, more expensive version of that. <laughs> And I have to travel and meet people. Um, I travel maybe 30 weeks a year now, 30 weekends a year. And so I meet a lot of people. And I have learned this by being on the road, but I think it, um, I have applied it in my sort of holiday, especially when I'm in a dark mood. And it's about small talk. It's about small talk. Because let's say you, you make it to the gathering, you've pushed your dark mood aside, you've 
assessed your sources for the mood so that you're less likely to indulge those sources. But there is also another way to sort of relieve yourself, like it's a way to ease the pain of that dark mood or the numbness of that dark mood. And I really think it's through connection. And for good or bad, that connection starts in small ways. And one of those ways is small talk. And I, like so many of my friends, hate used to say I hated small talk. Small talk sucked. I just wanted big conversations. You know, the whole meme. But the deal is, is that we have to start somewhere. And if we look at awkward, uh, if we make, if we understand that to be synonymous with unknown in a way, that this awkward conversation is actually just an unknown conversation, that what's making it awkward is we don't know where it's going. But if we embraced the, we don't know where we're going, but we're just in for the ride-ness, then we can kind of move past the awkwardness. And so especially like when you're talking to family and you feel like you should know them better than you do, ask questions. Come in. Make that roll. If they cut you off, that's probably their own trip and their own thing. But generally people are also looking for that connection. And who knows, someone else at your family might be going through that dark mood as well. But, you know, you ask them a question, you start off with something simple. It could be like, uh, you know, have you traveled a lot this year? And if they give you an easy answer, like, yes, they, yes, I did. I went to Greece. Well, then there you go. You got a half hour's worth of conversation right there. If they give you a tough answer, like, oh, well, you know, I've been laid off. I can't find any work and I haven't had any money. That may not be the funnest thing to move from, but those are questions there as well. Now, for those of you that are looking to deepen that small talk, to go from small talk to big talk as fast as you can, be patient. But one step to get there is to respond to their answers with specific questions related to those answers so that you don't seem like you're interviewing. You know, I don't know if I've sat down with some family members and I feel like they're kind of running through some government form with me. They're not really responding to any of the things that I say. They're just kind of moving through a checklist. And, and that's cool for a first, you know, for maybe the first five minutes of a conversation. But after a while, you start to feel like you're being interviewed. And I don't know, just the idea of being interviewed means you're maybe being judged. And who wants to be judged at the holidays? And so when you're talking to somebody, you definitely don't want to become the interviewer. So ask them questions that spring from their answers. And that's one way to develop deeper and bigger talk. And then there's one more trick. And this is one that I, I definitely think relates to everything that we've been talking to. And that is, as the person is giving you their answers, in a way, they're giving you their story. And you can step into their story and then from the place of their story you can ask a question and this would be considered uh, at least in my mind an empathetic question so for instance let's go back to the guy that lost his job and hasn't been able to travel to ask a question like wow I would be devastated how are you doing? How are you doing this? You have two kids. They seem great. How are you doing this? To 
ask that person not about their statistics, but about their experience. It's a way of creating space for that person to remark. And when that person remarks on their experience to you, and they feel like you're standing there next to them in their story, not looking down from some tower at them, but that you're standing there next to them, they're much more likely to give you a real response and to feel like you respect them because you're asking them what it's like, that you're acknowledging that their experience might be different, richer, um, you know, more unique than an experience that you've had like that, and you're asking them what that experience is like. Trust the physician and drink his remedy in silence and tranquility. And lastly, I know that we're going a little bit longer this week, but the thing is, is that when you ask these empathetic questions, you're essentially building what I call kind of the empathy footbridge, you know, the footbridge of empathy that you're, however, you know, janky it might be that you're building this bridge where you have crossed over from your mind in or from your story actually into the land of their story and you are there with them in that story and you're hearing and being fed uh, what they have done as the character of that story and while all of that is happening you are not noticing the dark mood while all of this is happening, it is taking your attention away from the why can't I be in the holiday spiritness of your experience, and instead it is bringing you in touch with empathetic experience with another human being, which we know leads to trust, which leads to love. And love is essentially what the holidays are supposed to be celebrating, or at least what we've morph them into celebrating that they are about love and so the experience of being of listening empathetically and asking empathetic questions is in a way in service to that holiday spirit so though your inner heart may still be clouded with gray skies you're still in service to the spirit of the holiday still contributing still giving, and ultimately, still being a warrior. So if you're down this holiday season, I get it, I understand, I am like you. But let's do something about it. Let's not make others suffer because of it. And let's go out and get it, and be there. And give love a chance to touch us and to educate, maybe even relieve us. This is the Future Hero Podcast. My name is Baxter. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week.